0: Welcome to Meredith Monday and uh, stay tuned. Chris, how's it going? It's going well, Mike. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, just chilling, smoking my pipe, getting ready for a nice discussion on two registered cosmology. Nice. What's in the pipe? Uh, Well, that is a good question. I'm not sure I can give you an answer. It's got a mixture of, um, it's in the Presbyterian tin, that's got to count for something. But uh, it doesn't unfortunately contain, I think I might have a little hint of it here and there, but it's just all the leftovers. A hodgepodge. A hodgepodge, yeah, totally. And um, yeah, it's good though. It's, It's a surprisingly good hodgepodge. They don't always work out so well. Right, <laughs> but this one seems seems to be good. Um, but yeah, no, I just just got back from church. I know it's uh, Monday for everyone listening, but for me, it's Sunday, and uh, just um, just finished. Got home now, and uh, it was good. We preached on. Well, I preached on um, Joseph, and you know he's kind of just just at the point before revealing himself to you know his brothers they're all (laughs) they're all trying to figure it all out having dinner with them so it was good i enjoyed the text and um good vibe at church it's your saturday night right now it is yeah are we late into your saturday night i know we've covered this already but um it's like nine o'clock or something no, it's, uh, it's only eight. Okay, sweet. So no excuses. You have to be sharp <laughs> as a razor blade for uh, to register cosmology. I think it's like one of those things that it sounds so terrifying to even say it out loud. To register cosmology. My goodness. What could Klein possibly have meant by that, Chris? <laughs> it does
1: sound really intimidating. But um, basically, I think all he means by that is that um, there is a visible realm that's the realm that um, we live in and that uh, God created Adam and Eve into. But there's also an invisible realm. Um, And as I say more, um, I'll just point out that one of the things that really blew my mind as I was taking Pentateuch with uh, Meredith Klein was Mm -hmm. he said that even this invisible heavenly realm was created and I don't know why that was a revelation to me, yeah. but growing up, I had always thought that that had always existed with God, but mm-hmm. um, So I, one of the places I would go to talk about this two, res- two register cosmology is Colossians 1:16, uh-huh. where Paul says, "For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, oh, yeah. visible and invisible." Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so even that invisible realm that we think heaven is something that God has created. And um it's it's where he um you know this is sat down um when he had finished his his creative work and rested and where we are supposed to join him in that, uh, that rest of his.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So it's, it's so, it's crazy because it's often linked to his, uh, framework theory, right? And mm-hmm. people often talk about it in that context, but it's so much bigger than that.
1: It is. And I think he just brought it in to explain what he saw going on with, um, various aspects of, uh, the creation narrative, but, um, yeah, it is, it's much bigger than just Genesis one and two.
0: Yeah. I mean, even just your straight up going to the new Testament there. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, what you've just quoted, um, you know, you've, you've got to deal with that. And then even just from a philosophical, well, I don't know. Yeah. I suppose philosophical theological standpoint. Yeah. It is. a. I think a lot of people do blend, uh, you know glory and heaven and you know th- those things beyond um or, or that we will one day enter into w- they, they think of that as being eternal as well or mm-hmm. uncreated or you know and that's blasphemy <laughs> you know it's it's really not a good thing i mean that's to make that god um and only god can be the uncreated eternal one so yeah it's um you know it, I, th- I find it amazing even that I mean, I love the thought that on the seventh day, even the Sabbath realm was created. Um, mm. You know, you think of that Sabbath area and you just think, oh, well, that's just basically like you getting absorbed into the light at that point. You know, if, you, if you're ever going to be with God in the Sabbath realm, I mean, you're basically just like going, you know, um, I don't know, Buddhist <laughs> at that point, just <laughs> absorbing into the great divine unknown. But it's, it's not like that at all. Anything that we're going to be, you know, participating in, at that point it has to be in a created order. There's going to be like time. Um, it's not like we go timeless, you know, at certain, at, you know, we're still in the created realm. Exactly. Yeah. It's an amazing thought. And we're still embodied. Um, still embodied. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, Klein even pointed out that, um, you know, this goes back to the very first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1, 1, God mm-hmm. created, the heavens and the earth, and that the word there, heavens, could mean what we see when we go outside at night and look up into the sky. Mm. Um, that's referred to as the heavens, but then it can also refer to the invisible realm that Paul was talking about in Colossians 1.16. Yeah. And especially in his work on the framework, he yeah. he took
0: that to mean the, uh, the invisible realm. Mm. Um, you have the heavens and the earth themselves being a kind of, um, uh, what is the word, Oh, an image of the visible and the invisible, right? Yes. Um, in fact, we even just talked about this on the
1: Glory Cloud podcast recently, that okay. um, what God was doing in creation was um, something like a paradigm of mm. like the cosmic temple.
0: Exactly. So, totally. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just even the way that um, you know, I mean, you have clouds, right? You're talking about glory clouds and stuff. I mean, the the reality mm-hmm. is, even just the, rea- the, the 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 idea of there being clouds in the heavens, um, you know, it's it's just it sends you to a, another uh well i suppose a register of those same truths you know um right. th- they they reflect something uh, of that order that that register that that is invisible at this point but as, how does the glory cloud fit in exactly in this two register cosmos because that's kind of where the temple thing happens right
1: right so you have the spirit hovering over um the this uh, what do you want to call it unformed earth really yeah, um, yeah in i I believe it's genesis 1 verse 2 Mm -hmm. and so klein uses the language there of the hovering um, and connects it with what the spirit does with israel in the wilderness as they're wandering and one of the manifestations of that is the uh, pillar of cloud by day and Mm. the uh, pillar of fire by night so you have the cloud there that's Mm -hmm. doing the hovering um and I, I think that's the, the closest tie-in. I mean, there's some other language where... Um, it talks about the avian exactly. metaphor, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I forget where he, he goes to find... Is, is that Deuteronomy? Um, yeah. I, I want to say it's Deuteronomy where the Holy Spirit is described as this bird with right. you know, its wings um, covering and protecting Israel. Right,
0: but, totally. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, and he's linking that to uh the what is the word um brooding over the waters. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Um okay, and and so when and when this glory cloud broods over the waters or the spirit broods over the waters, should I say? Um what's the deal with the glory cloud? I mean, is that just the manifestation of the spirit or we're saying that's the manifestation of the glory realm?
1: That's a good question. I I want to say that Klein would tie the glory cloud in with his
0: word that he made up called endoxation. Yeah. Okay. Have, you, have you encountered that <laughs> I have that heard word? of that. Yep, totally. <laughs> so, so that's kind of so, the incarnation of the spirit, right? As in like right. to, in the glory cloud itself.
1: And it. It's not just the glory cloud, although we do it's interesting that we do encounter this cloud multiple times throughout the entire Bible, yeah, um one of them even being uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration right um, but there are, I mean even the um, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night for Israel, those would also be these uh, I, I I'm careful about using the word physical, but I mean there are things of this world Uh by which the Holy Spirit is manifested that Klein sees as sort of a parallel to the second person of the Trinity taking human nature to himself.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) That's a crazy idea right there. So, um, And you're scared to use the word physical. Why?
1: I'm not scared. I just uh no they, they are they are yeah. I mean they're physical manifestations. Um I I guess I was wanting to the emphasis to fall more on um this worldly um mm-hmm. which which would be physical. So I don't know what I'm getting hung up about. Don't mind me.
0: All right. Well, you know, there there was this um because what I'm trying to get my head around is um you know he the glory cloud temple idea where basically as I understand it, um, you have um, really a you know he talks about the chariot and the you know the the winged creatures and um, and all those ways of, of just um, speaking of God's enthronement right. But but mm-hmm. what you're what you're seeing there and what what's being made visible at some level through this um, endoxation. Um, it is it's almost like a glimpse. I mean, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's a glimpse into a spiritual dimension. Um, yes, which okay. itself is created. Which is where I, mm-hmm. you know, the trip up happens. You know, often mentally because, you know, you tend to go okay. Well, the physical is created, the spiritual is uncreated, and we've already dismissed that. The spiritual itself is created, and you're getting sort of this insight into this whole big thing, like what's going on in in terms of that that which is being revealed in that glory cloud. Is Uh, that the Sabbath realm? Is that the, is that the rest (laughs) place?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, you, you can actually find Voss unpacking this a a bit more than Klein, although I have, um, bumped into this idea in Klein. He just doesn't say as Mm -hmm. much about it as Voss does, but this idea that the spirit is sort of the, um, the atmosphere, if you will, Mm -hmm. of, um, the, the new creation, the, um, yeah, the the world that God is preparing for us. And so he so conditions, I think is the way, uh, Voss talks about it. He so conditions that realm that it's almost like the, the air that we breathe or, you know, just the atmosphere in, in which we exist.
0: Yeah. And I suppose one of the, I mean, so we're not saying in this that the spirit is not, I suppose when the, I, I do get this feeling sometimes when I read Klein I'm like, is the spirit still a person, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, Cause it end, ends up feeling more like a state sometimes, you know? Um, mm. And um, I know that's not what he's going for, but uh, right. I suppose what we're saying here is that, that, um, that this, you know, and that's the whole idea with the indoxation, in that, you know, you can't see the spirit. Uh, the spirit is God. And, uh, even, even for God to be visibly manifest, even at a spiritual level, there would have to be this, this way in which he manifests, right? Uh, or which he uh, is seen or encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we're saying. And he's encountered as that atmos- atmosphere, I suppose. I never th- thought about it in terms of that word exactly. But yeah, um, uh, would that be on track? Yes. And
1: so I think the connection... I appreciate that you're careful to say that this this spiritual realm, this invisible realm is created. Mm-hmm. We also want to affirm that the Holy Spirit is uncreated because yes. he's God, yes, um, and yet, in this invisible realm that we don't yet uh, perceive with our earthly eyes, um the Holy Spirit is. At least, as Voss and Klein are sort of
0: describing it, the the atmosphere of that in which we will exist, right? Which is that actual indoxation process, which is which is kind of like what we're saying about Jesus, in that mm. you know, mm-hmm. in order for us to have access to Jesus, as it were, um, you know, it was through the incarnation. So there's this physical reality, um, yeah. And it's 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 just totally mind blowing in terms of the. Um, well, you know what I appreciated about it. It just gives further definition to things that we're already saying, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. and just allows us to consider the, the the really, I mean, down to that small level of, of of detail, just exactly how we can say what we're saying. So, you know, what I'm thinking there is, um, yeah, like you've said before, I mean, the spirit is uncreated, um, and yet we are seeing visi- visible manifestations of the spirit at some level. Everyone's going to agree. Um, and so, how is that happening, and what is the significance of that, and how does that tie into to everything uh, we're saying about uh, the Sabbath and and, and Sabbath um, glory, and and just uh, yeah, and, and all this. It seems like so many are picking up on the insight that you know the the, the whole creation serves as kind of a temple um, uh, that, that reflects uh, the temple that God Himself dwells in. And, uh, and, and, you know, you, you just, no one's like putting them all together. No one's putting all those pieces together in the finer points of, I don't know, Trinitarian theology. So, you know, at that level, it's, it's, it's totally amazing. Uh, what I was going to ask you, though, is, is do you think, um, I mean, what, so we've mentioned with literary framework stuff, this often comes up. What, what do you think the significance of, uh, of this is theologically? I mean, how do, you, how do you see it playing out? And are there any other areas where this really matters?
1: Mm. I don't know how much this is an issue for um, your listeners but I you know one of the things that it says to me hmm. is that God is not afraid of uh, or put off by his creation right um, and it's uh, you know it is a good thing uh, that God took human nature to himself mm-hmm. uh, in order to accomplish our salvation. And if Klein is right in seeing a parallel between what he's calling endoxation and um the incarnation, then even the third person of the Trinity is not shy at all or put off by um using physical stuff from this world to manifest himself to us. And so yeah. um it it does say, I think, that what God made is good. Yeah, amen. Yeah,
0: totally. And maybe one of the, just on that same point maybe one of the one of the things it it also highlights is just in terms of of the theology of God himself in order for us even to have access to the spiritual realm he would be he would have to be making use of a spiritual substance of some sort right like you, you need to hmm. you, you can't just have access to the invisible reality of God he must he must uh, reveal himself in some way um, uh, certainly to those who are in the physical realm. Um, and so, you know, you don't just have naked access, I suppose, is what I'm saying. There's, there's always going to be this mediated, um, well, mediated is probably a bad word, but just, uh, yeah, incarnated kind of uh, uh, use of, of, of substance to be able to, you're never going to see God as he is, but as he reveals himself, I suppose. And um, And I think if you don't get that right, then there might be a problem theologically, right?
1: That's a good point. Um, so, you know, if Jesus were to come back right now, mm-hmm. we could see him with these eyes that we have. Yes. Um, we could, we could see God that way. Mm. Um, and if we had been with Israel in the wilderness, we could have seen God at night as the fire and during the day as the cloud. Yes. Um, there we go. Yeah. When Jesus returns, he will clothe us with immortality, as um, uh, Paul puts it in in First Corinthians fifteen, mm-hmm. and and we'll have a we'll have new eyes in some way that we will be able to perceive this heavenly realm. Which um, a, another mind blowing insight from Klein is that heaven is all around us. Yeah, uh, it's just that it's not um, something that we can perceive with these uh, old creation eyes we need new creation eyes really in order to perceive it right and it was second kings six that he used to really um give an example of that yeah
0: yeah uh, open their eyes lord i don't know <laughs> the, the, open right. his eyes that, yeah. that he may see <laughs> and then all of a sudden you got this whole thing going on yeah i mean it's pretty awesome isn't it uh, that makes it a lot is. of sense to me especially with the whole um and again, I suppose you can't help but doing this. you hear about Jesus' ascension and, you know, things of that nature. And you can't help but approach it from a semi kind of, you know, um, contemporary scientific perspective. And you just you're like, what's going on there? We know that God's not in the sky somewhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what's the deal with going upwards? And I love the way the client speaks of the upper register and that, you know, even the upward direction, the the movement upwards is not necessarily to get into the sky, but it's to convey that, uh, that the sky itself represents the upper register. And, and so, you know, you've got, you've got a movement to that dimension, so to speak, is, is the way to conceive of what, uh, you know, what Jesus is doing in ascending. Um, yes, I or, think that's right. Yeah, I mean, and, and that just just on its own, you know, it's kind of like it helps. It really does because you're like, well, if God doesn't live in the sky, you know, what, what are we doing going up in the sky for? What's the deal? But if the sky itself is representative of the realm in which God does dwell, you know, has chosen to uh, to dwell or keep as his temple, I mean, it, you know, that makes perfect sense that at least, uh, you know, Christ would make use of that symbolic um you know um exit from this from this realm I- I- in an upward direction um mm-hmm. and then and then you know the other thing i was thinking is um i don't know if you uh what is the guy's name i can't even remember now but uh that that scientist guy uh what is his name um he was recently interviewed by joe rogan he's the He's the guy who is um, convinced that we don't need God anymore because we've uh, examined every particle that could possibly interact with uh, anything else. And I don't know if, hmm. you, if this is ringing any bells, but anyways, uh, my memory completely. Uh, but let me go to what he was saying. And just because here's an, another area I feel like this has helped me in the past and, and continue, continues to help me. And uh, by two register cosmology, we're saying that there's essentially a two, two different dimensions, right? Mm-hmm. And the one is a physical dimension. And the physical dimension includes invisible things like, I don't know, radio waves and, um, you know, whatever else is invisible. Um, You know, not visible to the human eye. But that's not what we mean when we say the invisible dimension. We have another dimension in view, um, and that's the spiritual one. It's in the same area, I suppose, but just two different dimensions, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, so... You know what he said was: "Listen, you know, if we if we uh, examine, you know, if if you think of a soul, uh, it's basically an invisible thing, and there must, in order for any kind of existence of a soul to be present, it's got to interact with matter at some level." Um, you know, is his presupp- uh, presupposition going into it? So you'd see something involved, uh, something interacting with our body that's not accounted for by matter itself. And um, and so he goes on this whole thing, saying, "Listen, we can measure pretty much everything that's interacting with matter right now. So, um, at the end of the day, we we can pretty much rule out the possibility of a, of a spirit, and and so or soul, at least he uses. But I think he's thinking about it more in terms of that I don't know that caricature sort of ghostly, you know, invisible presence within the body or something. Because certainly immediately, and this is not just Klein, this is everyone. We uh, Christians understand the the." the spiritual realm to be, like, the whole point of it is that it's not matter, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to put it philosophically, we would just say it's not extended in space. They're not extended in space. So, wow. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, that's that's why, you know, the medieval theologians could debate how many angels could dance on the head of a pin, because they're not material beings like we are
0: yes I suppose that's um, what I was going for material mm-hmm. uh, yeah totally all right so we've got a technical way of putting that now I suppose, <laughs> I, suppose um, I suppose the thing is um, I feel like you know just by that by that sort of theological um, construct I suppose or, or just uh, you know reading of the text you're, you're understanding that you're not expecting there to be any you know, uh, interaction with physical matter necessarily, um, for a soul to exist or, um, or for, for, uh, an invisible realm to exist precisely because it's like comparing apples and, and oranges. You, you're sort of, um, you've got, you've got something that's, that's not going to register on a physical matter, you know, measuring device. Um, I, I just, I was hearing this guy talk. Um, uh, Brian Cox is his name, actually. I just remembered that right now. Okay. But anyways, um, you know, as I was hearing him talk, I was thinking, well, it feels like this is going to have to become more and more of a defined thing in our theology, because it almost reminds me a little of, of the creation itself, or, or uh, at least, um, you know, the way that this the biblical account then has to sort of operate within the realm of contemporary science and and um, it's not that you necessarily have to go you know, trying to figure out ways to, to stick within a scientific sort of conception of things, but it, it, you, know, you, don't, you just don't want to put your foot in where it doesn't need to be and create, like, you, know, you don't want to go dying on, on a battle for the age of the earth when the Bible's not giving us that information necessarily or, or whatever it is. So I just feel like probably this two-register cosmology stuff is going to have some bearing there. Um, in that, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have to figure out exactly what we mean and, you know, how that works uh, in order not to sort of clash with, I suppose, or clash needlessly uh, with with what's being said scientifically, maybe. Um, so there's that. I can think of that as having some sort of bearing. Um, any other things you could think to, in terms of mentioning, um, you know, getting people cleared up on, on this idea or uh, where it might matter?
1: So one of the thoughts that came to me, I mean, I, I just always kind of um, – chuckle when i hear guys like you just describe yeah because um you know the their whole thing is well none of i i have all these scientific instruments and i can't measure a soul or an angel or anything with these <clears> things <throat> therefore the the spiritual realm doesn't exist yeah well yeah that's because your instruments are all designed to measure
0: the material world yeah yeah duh and <laughs> it does I mean, and that, that's kind of what i said a while back on that i mean it just feels It feels crazy that they're making that sort of, you know, mistake, (laughs) you know, they're clever guys, you know, and and they just uh, go ahead and jump into that kind of logic. It's it's really weird.
1: Um, there have been uh, in the nineties, some books written by Christians who were interacting with the whole, uh, evolution debate. And they really pointed out what's called methodological naturalism, which is basically these, um, scientists like Dawkins and yeah. and others who just take for granted that the material is all that exists and, and then they, they just yeah, work from there.
0: Totally. And that's what's happening, isn't it? I mean, he's just going, yeah, uh, that's all that exists. If we can measure all that exists, then, hey, we've done everything that we need to do to discount. Yeah. So he's presuming, and that's exactly it. I mean, he was presuming that, you know, if there is a soul, it's going to be part of all that exists in the physical realm. Um, now that actually brings up something else the soul right uh, we, mm-hmm. where does that come I mean how does that actually work is that part of the like two ages thing or you know because here we are as creatures body and soul and spirit or body and spirit and um, you know so is our spirit sort of like what is that <laughs> where does that fit?
1: <laughs> so many questions um, so I, I'll start from here. I think that we tend to take our baseline from our current experience and say that our current experience must be what's normal. But um, we need to reorient ourselves and realize that what's normal is for death not to be a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It should not be the case that our bodies and our souls are ever separated from each other. Right. So the yeah. experience that we have right now. Where people die, and their body goes into the ground, and their soul um, is not with their body their their soul is uh, somewhere else, either mm-hmm. with the Lord or in hell mm-hmm. um, that's completely abnormal, and then we will get back to a normal situation at the final judgment when uh, you know there's the general resurrection, and the rest of of eternity then will be embodied for those who are in heaven and for those who are in hell Mm. um and that's the way it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. uh so i wanted to to get that out there first yeah i mean um, you know the the soul the immaterial aspect of what it means to be a human being um, you can see it in scripture Mm And we could probably look at at examples of that. But, I mean, it's also something that you can um, know just by um, some, some, what do you call it? Maybe not necessarily introspection, but just some Uh self-knowledge. I mean, um, if you think about a pink elephant... Mm -hmm. That's not a physical thing. I can't cut your brain open and see the physical uh, the I can't see the pink elephant that you're thinking about. Sure, you're yeah. having a soulish um, experience when mm. you think about that that pink elephant. Mm-hmm. Um, pain is another example. Mm. I mean yes, the scientist may be able to see um, some physiological response in your body yes, but that's not identical
0: to the pain that you're feeling. yeah, that's one of the mechanism yeah totally hmm yeah, totally yeah no that sounds right um and, and so like the whole thing I suppose just with um just re- thinking again about this guy who can me- you know l- let's say he's got his instruments that is try- they're trying to measure um you know things in the physical realm um coming at it with a naturalistic sort of assumption and evolutionary um uh presupposition um should they be able to I mean, because I mean, we're dealing with our souls as something in this physical realm as part of the immaterial, you know, makeup of us I mean, are we saying that effectively they could be able to find something if they had the necessary physical instrumentation or do you think that that's just the, the whole point of the immaterial part it's just not discoverable by anything material is that, is that kind of the thing?
1: that's where what
0: i'm saying is that i mean it's just impossible for
1: a scientist to ever measure the soul because it's beyond the
0: the reach of of our instruments yeah totally and in in that sense uh our souls are kind of well similar i suppose to the immaterial realm no is that right immaterial realm yeah immaterial realm um and yet, uh, so how does that work? So, and yet you have a sort of visible reality to, well, I suppose the intermediate state, now that I'm thinking about it, is where this all kind of, you see, uh, yeah, we're going to be there and uh, we're probably going to be visible at some level without our bodies. Um, so there's going to be kind of a, a physical thing <laughs> going there for lack of a better expression. Um, except we're not physical. Man, that is so mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've tried to entertain those thoughts before, but I just I can't get very far because I don't know what it's like not to have a, a body. Wow. Um, yeah, And it does sound kind of weird not to. But, I mean, you hear people talk about having near-death experiences. Mm. And, um, you know, I've even uh, got family members who uh, describe such things. And they talk about being, you know, here they are, their body is uh, unconscious. Yes. But they talk about being able to see everyone who's in the room, you know, from the perspective of like being up at the ceiling level or something like that. Yeah. So interesting. Um, and so, yeah. How, how do you see without your, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, I don't know how to get my mind around that. <laughs> totally. but you know, if I think if anything is going to help us, it's probably to register cosmology at some level because, you know, again, <laughs> you're seeing kind of a, a reality of those dimensions overlapping, and perhaps if there is any sense in which you're at that point in an immaterial dimension that is some way interacting, um, you know, or at least aware of the other dimension, then maybe that comes into place. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I suppose a lot of it is guesswork. You got to be careful not to write off on speculative trains of thought and just, you know, and I suppose there's nothing wrong with just kind of thinking it through at some level. But yeah, I suppose you just got to always be cautious before coming down on anything dogmatic there. Um, But, you know, in that vein, I've found client stuff uh, to be truly amazing, you know, just to get you, if nothing more, just to really get you thinking about these things and um and giving you a fresh perspective you know it's because uh, even just the idea and it does become a theological issue at some level and that you you know if jesus is in a place with his physical body mm-hmm. um I mean, there is another thing right so what happened there <laughs> Do you know like where is jesus right now with a physical body and how right. are we unable to know about that you know Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> the Bible doesn't
1: tell us but I mean it's it's part of what it means for him yeah. to to be um a, a man. Yep, is that he has a body. He has, he has a body, body and it's
0: not it's not it's it's a renewed glorious spiritual physical sure. body. And so maybe there's something about that that makes it you know different in that it's not just um it's not just a resurrected Body of Adam, so to speak. Well, and we're heading into that time of year where we're going to get all the atheists
1: making jokes about zombies, basically. Yeah, totally. You know? That's right. That's right. And yeah. so it's not going to be like The Walking Dead. No. Um, the resurrection is something uh, far, far better.
0: And, and through the ascension shows that is it's able to enter into, this body is able to enter into that. Not only will we yeah. see that that realm that we can't see now, but we could enter into it in some way, um, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty awesome. Um, man, cool. Um, how many angels dancing around on a pinhead? Was that a real debate? <laughs> oh yeah, man, um, wow. Talk about speculation, dude. That is crazy. Um, cool. So, if someone wants to read about this, where do they go? They go to Images of the Spirit, Kingdom Prologue. Anyone else in Voss? You say and. Is that the most accessible stuff?
1: Yes. So the um, Images of the Spirit, Kingdom Prologue, and Pauline Eschatology. Would be oh, that's places right. places
0: you'd want to go. Okay, cool. And I think Klein has written a, a, like an essay or two on this, right?
1: Sure. You can get um, where he's just talking about the realms um, a, a bit more in the abstract in his um, second essay on the framework interpretation of genesis one and two uh space and time in the genesis cosmogony yeah that's is the what one. it's
0: called totally totally yeah that was it that's the one i read totally mind-blowing totally yes. mind-blowing um but cool thanks a million chris really appreciate you uh taking the time to help us out with that Trying to get our minds around to register cosmology <laughs> <laughs> and if you really want to impress someone with how uh how much line you know just open them with that line so hey what do you think about two registered cosmology? <laughs> uh, You'll man. be a hit at parties. Oh, totally, totally, um, man! <laughs> and uh, you can even you can even bring some uh, refutation of Brian Cox in there, uh, just to just double <laughs> impress. Um, but cool, thanks so much, Chris. Again, appreciate it, brother.
1: My pleasure, Mike.